This is the Signal Cafe, where we focus on agile, product, and lean startup thinking. Today, we're speaking with John Garrett, the CEO of Community Impact, a hyperlocal news source focused on building communities of informed citizens and thriving businesses. Community Impact was recently named one of the best small companies of 2019 by Forbes magazine. John, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you started Community Impact with your wife in 05 with three full-time employees. Um, yep. Now it's the fastest growing community news org in the U.S. Mm -hmm. um, talk about how you got started and, and what the first few years were like. Yeah, sure. So I, I've always uh, been in the newspaper business. I started uh, at the Houston Chronicle and kind of the glory days of the newspaper business. And But the Houston Chronicle at that time was really advanced. I mean, they, they did. I've always been on the business side, so not the editorial side. And I learned like so much. We, we, we really were trying to build, uh, you know, geo-targeted products and I mean, we were making a lot of money back then. So we, we could, you know, invest and, um, and my wife and I are both from Austin. So we wanted to obviously move back to Austin. And, uh, I went to work at the Austin business journal and, uh, uh, really had a great experience there and learn more about, you know, the, the editorial side of the product, um, but we we knew something was missing, and so in 2005, I left the business journal to just really start the paper in the game room of our house, and uh, just used what I knew from my experiences at the Houston Chronicle and the Business Journal to to start this product, and you know borrowed you know off of a Southwest Airlines credit card, and um, nice. and it worked, <laughs> and so we sent the first one out uh, in September 2005, and we knew pretty much when that first one hit that we kind of we had a product that people really liked, and that. You know, that's where we started getting the first feedback, uh, literally the, the day it hit the mail. And, um, and we've been, you know, growing ever since now we have, um, we're, we're celebrating our 30th edition this week, uh, in Houston. And, um, we've got, you know, we're in Austin, Houston, Dallas, Nashville, Phoenix, and, uh, we hope to continue to grow. That's awesome. You started in, in Austin proper or Austin suburb? Actually, yeah. Great question. We started in Round Rock, Pflugerville, those two suburbs of Austin. Where was our first edition? We we you know originally the idea was you know the business journal was kind of for the insiders to know what was happening development wise. My wife and I just felt like the average Joe wanted to know like when we were ever going to get a Starbucks or you know there was always community newspapers that printed about Johnny kicking the winning field goal and that kind of thing. We didn't care about that. We wanted to know when the roads were going to be done and and so we we, we didn't really know globally like at the time that we were going to have this big company. And, uh, we really were just trying to fill like, or fill, uh, fill the need that we, we saw, uh, that we had. And it was just really in line with what, um, I, the business I knew. And so we, our second paper was the Cedar Park Leander paper. So that's when we started saying, okay, wait a minute, like there's other communities that could use this that we don't even know as much about. And the need, the need kind of was everywhere. So, so we're kind of, we have these, we call them hyper-local editions. We've got, you know, nine in Austin. So we've got the suburban suburban areas have their papers. We have a, we split up Austin into three different editions, Northwest Austin, Central Austin, and Southwest Austin. And, um, and in Houston, for example, we're, we're going inside the loop there, which we've, we're surrounded the, the area in Houston, but this is a big deal for us to go inside the loop in Houston. So we're starting to uh, kind of penetrate the large metro areas as well. Yeah, the Leander Cedar Park is mine. That's yeah, the one that I know. It's funny, like a lot of people don't realize, you know, that 
that they just think the community impact newspaper that they get in Katy is the only one. And, and then they move. It's really fun for us is somebody will move to Frisco or something and they'll, they'll email us and be like, this is amazing. Like I, I didn't know that you, cause they, the product is the same. They know what to do with it. It's, um, you know, it's, 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 but it's just really good hyper-local content. So it's, it's kind of neat for us to, to be, to be kind of, you know, the Forbes called us a small giant and that's kind of the right phrase. Like people don't realize how big we are, but we don't really, that's not our goal. Our goal is to be really focused on community. So it works. Yeah. Focus on community and quality, right? Yeah. So, I, so that, that resonates with me because I also, um, like, like I mentioned before the call, I didn't realize uh, how big community impact was until I read that article. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, you talked about the situation where somebody moves and they get the exact same quality. They get the exact mm-hmm. same, not the exact same product. This is totally different content. It's totally different perspective, a different area. But how have you been able to uh, kind of assure quality and, and maintain that quality as you've scaled up? Yeah, I think uh, I think I've got. Well, first, let me just be clear. Like I've got really great people that are much more system oriented than me. Um, that that from the our creative director, for example. We used to, when we started a community, we used to have like a little logo that was representative of the community that would go next to our logo, Community Impact Newspaper logo. And man, we'd spend like hours and sometimes days trying to decide, okay, what should Southwest Austin's logo be? And, and our creative director's like, guys, this is not going to scale. And so like, he's like, we've got to kill this. And it was almost like, it was a big time. It's hilarious now, but it's a sacred cow. Like Jennifer and I like love this like little touch we did for every community. And um, so, you know, I've, I've been fortunate at my my creative director, my executive editor, my, my chief operating officer. Now my, now my CF, I mean, every, I've got so many people that are on my team that are really systems oriented and, and we're thinking about scale. You know, when I first started the company, I read E-Myth Revisited, you know, that, that kind of helped me kind of understand that, you know, if you go to McDonald's in Japan, it's kind of the same experience as you get in, in Texas. And, and so I've kind of appreciated that the scalability, but w- the way we've been able to do it is honestly, is I, ha- I have really great people and we've created systems and, um, and we, w- people who are in our industry, when they see what we've built internally, like they're just, they're just, they're just, it is our moat. Like people will try to copy our product, uh, all over the country now. And when they get to the, it's one thing to copy one paper, but when you want to do a second paper, like, it is hard. <laughs> and so, but we've created all these systems that allow us to do it. And, and I can't take any credit for it. I ha I have the only credit I could take honestly is, be, is being open to listening to systems minded people and trusting them. And I'm very grateful and thankful that we did. Yeah. So without sharing um, some of the secret sauce, can you talk a little bit more about some of those systems and maybe which ones in particular have helped you scale out? Yeah, sure. Uh, um, so, uh, you know, one of the things that we do that, that people don't realize is that we're able to target at what we call the carrier route level. So your post, your postman that delivers your mail, we can target to him, to that truck. And so you can imagine we're, we're in 2.6 million households now. So we have, you know, tens of thousands of routes that we can target, uh, you know, messages for, and that's really important in today's age when we're competing against Facebook and Google, like that's who our competitors are. It's not, 
it's not any newspapers. Like we're not competing against newspapers really any longer. Um, and so we want to be able to target. So you can imagine. So in your market, for example, the inner Cedar park, uh, you know, we don't just print, we have one main core edition of the newspaper, but inside the edition, we can do inserts or sticky notes on the front, or we also have a direct mail product. We can target like really within neighborhood levels. So we, right. we actually tried to go with products like Salesforce and different software as a service groups. And we just really struggled because we, our product is so unique. We decided to, Hey, we're going to build our own ERP. And so we, we did, and we've got, we've built this incredible ERP that it we're, it, it's our CRM. So it's a salesperson goes and meets a business owner for the first time. They, they you know, we build a relationship through that. And then it, it also manages artwork. We create job jackets. And so that our, our designers are using it. And then it goes all the way to the production side. So we have a printing plant that is, is integrated with this ERP that makes sure that all of those carrier routes are bundled correctly so that the, the postman knows which bundles are his so that your message gets targeted correctly to your, to your house. Uh, it's all integrated. And so when we turn on a new market, like, so we're launching inside the loop this week, it, it's really, the systems are there. And so we're able to go to market, you know, we send our sales team out, send our editorial team out, you know, three months prior to launch. We have all the systems in place. They go do their job to our systems. And we're not worried. I mean, we're not worried about billing. We're not worried about, you know, targeting. We're not worried about building any of these systems any longer. It's all, it's all there. So. Yeah. I saw, I think you tweeted something about SaaS products and, and <laughs> SaaS products are huge and, 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 you know, they're, they're great um, in certain situations, but mm -hmm. like you said, uh, community impacts unique uh, SaaS products weren't built for your model or for um, what you do. And so you built your own and that's admirable. That's amazing. Yeah. And, and I'll, I'll say like, that was probably a frustration tweet because like we're in the middle of like software <laughs> hell right now. And so, but I will say this about SaaS, the, some of the, because as we've grown, we've used it, right? And like sure, NetSuite, sure. for example, we use NetSuite, which we're not going to create our own accounting system. Like that doesn't make any sense, right? right. Accounting is accounting. But, but we have used SaaS to learn, like, and then you kind of outgrow it. And you're like, okay, the thing I hate about this product, this SaaS product, for example, like it doesn't do X, Y, Z. And so... Well, what would, well, we could pay them to custom do it, but you know, that's going to be expensive. And then like, they're just going to share it with our competitors. So like, there's a point I think where SaaS works to your point, to your point, it's not SaaS is all bad, but if you really want to innovate, like you, I think you have to be committed to, to developing your own software. Yeah. So yeah, that's fascinating. Um, let's go back quickly to Oh five, you launch. And you said almost immediately you knew that you had something, right? Mm -hmm. What sort of feedback did you get that let you know exactly that you were onto something? And do you have any mechanisms in place from launch <laughs> to really collect as much feedback as possible? Yeah, you know, it's fun is that we still do some of the same stuff now as we did then. But I mean, the first thing obviously was email. We got like tons of emails. And so one of the things that we like, we, we are paying attention to is, email feedback. Now you, you can imagine like how many times do you actually get something in the mail for free and then email somebody, Hey, thanks. Thank you for sending this mail to me. <laughs> like never. Right. 
And so it's, it's really amazing. We get, you know, t- you know, probably 20 emails uh, for a new launch. And that to us is like, okay, we nailed it. Right. If we get less than that, then we're starting to like, okay, was the content right? Like, do we really nail the content? So that's the first thing. So we, at the very beginning, we, we started getting these emails, which just are just, it still amazes me that people take the time to email us and say, thank you. You know, right. um, but, but back then also, like I didn't, I was in the game room of our house and, and this is like a long time ago. So like we had these caller ID boxes, <laughs> you know, I couldn't oh, even yeah. afford, I couldn't <laughs> even afford voicemail, <laughs> you know, honestly, it was like $5 a month or something. And so, but I had a caller ID box. And so when the first one came out, we had like, you know, all these businesses were calling and they wanted to advertise. And so I didn't have a message, but I had their number. And so I, you know, they were good prospects. So we have call-ins and we, now we have call-in, we have systems that uh, track our call-ins uh, for, you know, advertisers that are uh, interested in advertising with us. We have a whole, that's all part of our ERP now. So we're measuring that. Um, so that, that's kind of like from a, kind of a foundational way that we've, we've, we've kind of created feedback. Then there's a lot of non-science stuff that we do that, that we wish. So what we're trying to accomplish right now is we're trying to figure out a way to measure editorial quality. And that's a really hard thing gotcha. to measure. But one of the measuring points that we're experimenting with is actual reader feedback, be it social or, um, or even emails or even like a lot of times we're in the community, so we'll be at a park. And somebody will come up and say, hey, I read this article. Like if there's a way for our reporters to measure the feedback that they've given, they've been uh, given in a constructive way, then that actually might be a way that we could, uh, you know, measure editorial quality. It's a, it's a, it's, right. it's going to be difficult, but I think we have the, you can tell from the team that I have, I, we have the team in place that can try to nail down such, such a subjective thing into a, you know, a way to, quantify it if we get that going i think it's going to be it's going to be pretty amazing because what what's happening in our industry right now especially with digital is it's about page views and clicks that yeah. that doesn't measure quality like that is that measures probably what's wrong with the digital world um, it, yes yeah so that's what all the but see all the business all businesses in our in our business the business, um, the success of the business is based upon that. So that's why even the great news sites that you go to, the great news organizations, they struggle with the most popular articles, Britney, Britney Spears or whatever, but they just wrote this amazing article about what the city council is doing. And you need to know this, right? But it never goes to the top. So if there's a way that we can create a way to really measure that that city council meeting story is actually a higher quality story than the Britney Spears story, there might be a way to build another business around that. And so that's kind of where our head is, you know, especially on the digital side Um, because right now there is not a path to a successful local news digital only site. Um, there just is not one out there. And so um, I think that's because we're chasing the wrong metrics. Um, and if there's a way that we can, you know, redefine the metrics, then we might be able to monetize those better. So that's the goal. And I hope we can do that with feedback. 
Yeah. It, it, so does the editorial content on your digital um, versions or, or digital local sites uh, map almost identically to your print? No, we're, we're, we'll, we'll have more content online. Like um, sometimes we'll, 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 sometimes they'll share or sometimes when we do a new paper, we'll upload the content. Um, we, we really have some room to grow on the qual in my view, the quality of the presentation of the digital products. And we're working on that. Um, you know, most organizations are, 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 you know, years ahead of us in that because strategically they, they really went down that road fast and in my view too fast, too quickly for us. Digital is, is more of a cherry on top than the full business model. Whereas our competitors or the, a lot of people in the news, they view digital as their future. We, we don't, we view digital as a nice product line for us that will hopefully deliver profits, but we're a little bit honestly behind on that. And, but we, we were worried, we were focused on market share growth. So if, you know, you have limited resources, you choose one or the other, we've chosen to grow our print, um, our, our print market share. And that has paid off really nice dividends for us. So, um, we've, but we've got some room to go on the digital side. Yeah. It's, I ask whether it's one-to-one -one because my immediate thought when you said measure quality is page views and clicks, right? Yeah. <laughs> or engagement on social. Yeah. And can you translate that? And I loved hearing you say that that doesn't translate to quality. And it mm -hmm. reminds me of a podcast I heard on Sam Harris podcast, Making Sense with um, Robert McNamee, I think. And they were talking about Facebook, Google, uh, specifically Facebook content. You mentioned that Facebook is, you know, one of the major competitors and, and mm -hmm. they do to a certain extent, look heavily at engagement and, and feedback and, mm -hmm. uh, and, yeah. and, and clicks. But the problem with that is people get more engaged, the more heated they get. And so inflammatory, black and white, uh, divisive content gets more engagement than nuanced, intellectual, quality content. Mm -hmm. And so even though that was my initial thought from like a digital perspective, it doesn't translate to quality. And, and I think that that says something about integrity. And so we, we talked about quality is one of Community Impact's core values. Integrity is another. And making yes, sure yep. that you're not trying to just put out um, content that's going to be good engagement rate, but isn't actually delivering any value to your readers. I think that that's something to be said. Yeah. And I think what you're seeing with Facebook right now is they're, they're going, they're, they're like spinning their wheels backwards to re-engage on the quality side. Like they, uh, they I saw yeah. recently on Instagram, they're going to take away where you can see how many externally, like some your friends likes have gotten on, on a photo uh, because it's driving the wrong mentality. Um, so right. I actually think that what's going to happen, I think, I think those that are running the sprint and there are a lot of them out there, a lot of, especially news organizations that are running the sprint right now to, to build, it's almost like, it's like a gold rush, like grab as much dollars as you can right now with this current mentality, they're going to be fade out. And the new, uh, I, I really believe that the new, um, economy with, with content is going to be uh, geared around quality. And that what I mean by that is the dollars are going to go to quality because I just yeah. think there's, I think we're all, we all see that digital is just a nightmare right now. 
And so I'm willing to pay more for something like, you know, the Wall Street Journal to really provide great quality. And they're not, they're not chasing clicks. They're, they're chasing quality content. I'm willing to pay more right. as a consumer to get that kind of content. And so then the advertisers are willing to pay more, right? Like, so it all kind of flows in to uh, making, right. uh, making it work financially. So. Yeah, that certainly seems healthy. I hope that the health of the consumers is uh, not, you know, we'll, we'll also echo that and, and we'll spend the time reading quality over, over divisive content. That, that's, that's exactly, that's the, that's the billion, billions dollar question, right? Um, (laughs) Yeah. I mean, let's be, let's be honest. Like there's some stuff online that we look at that we're like, we're just looking at because we're, 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 we're stupid, you know, like, so like, uh, that we just think some stuff silly or whatever. And we, we look at it. And so, um, that, that is kind of the interesting part of this game. Uh, but you know, I, I just think, I think the market forces will, will, uh, require that change. And, and ultimately that's, that's what drives, uh, quality. So, um, that's what we're betting on. And the the great news for us is that that doesn't even matter because, we really believe that our our core print product, our base business product, uh, if we continue to innovate on it, like we don't have to worry about the digital game. We can continue to produce quality local content in a print format that has a that actually has an you know an economic model that works. Right. Yeah, and it obviously does. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So. I'd like to uh, return to, I guess, another one of your core values um, okay. with innovation. Sure. Um, so we've we've focused on uh, quality and integrity, and I think something you said that was incredible is that um, hopefully and and likely, and, and we're already seeing this, the future of the content economy. You said is quality. Um, that a lot of these big platforms are kind of reverse engineering or almost like backtracking from a mm-hmm. uh, land grab back to quality because mm-hmm. it's healthy and, and it, it has to has to be that way um so two two of the core values are quality and integrity of community impact another is innovation and mm-hmm. we talked a little bit about the mechanisms that you had in place specifically getting a lot of emails from people that just wanted to let you know that they appreciated um the initial product what sort of um product thinking and what sort of uh feedback channels do you currently have in place um as you grow your digital product and as you grow your print product at community impact yeah so right now we're in uh the beginning stages of actually a a print product redesign um and so one of the one of the interesting feedbacks mechanisms that we've had that we've never had before is we actually acquired um a product that kind of you know was a lookalike of ours in Nashville. And, um, and what was interesting about them is they spent like a lot of money, this company did on design. And, um, we feel like we're learning from them and their customers and their readers. Some of the things that they did well within their product was something that we can learn from. And so we're taking some of those, some of that feedback and, uh, looking at how we can incorporate that into our design. So just a really interesting, uh, surprising benefit to me 
of the acquisition was this, right? Like what, what can you learn from a, a, either a competitor or, or something you're, you're, somebody you acquire and their customers and their readers about how like you can make your product better. It's really eye-opening because, you know, we're really proud of our product. We're really proud of our design. We feel like we do infographics sure. better than anybody in the country. And, and then you hear this feedback, like, Hey, I kind of like this pro other product better than yours. And it's like, it's kind of like, it kind of wakes you up a little bit in a good way. Like, okay, maybe we need yeah. to take the next step in design. And so that's one, one way that's been kind of interesting that we're, that we're doing I, you, we're through the process. We're going to do a, you know, a lot of focus groups. Um, we're going to really try to make sure we nail this redesign. It's going to be our first significant. We've done a little bit of redesigns throughout the years, but this will be our first significant one in several years where when you get it in the mail, I think you're going to be like, okay, this feels different. Um, so it's a high risk, you know, so we want to make sure that we nail it, yeah. but we feel, we feel like, you know, we're ready for it. And it actually will help us with digital redesign as well, because sure. part of the mechanisms of, of the redesign are to, um, are to figure out how we can use what's in paper more effectively online. So you take these long stories, for example, that we do, or is there a way we can break them up into mini series stories within one edition? And so then if you have a mini series in one edition, then you can imagine what you can do that with that on digital. So right. that's all part of the redesign. So, um, so that's one way that, that we're using our, our value of innovation is to, you know, to rethink about our, our, our design. We think about how we're packaging content and uh, just try to take it to the next, to the next level. And I, I want to tell you that the unique thing about that is in our, while we say this is innovative, in our industry, most design is now being outsourced into design hubs. And they're, they're basically just design farms. And it's a way that these news organizations have found to cut costs, you know, bring everything together. So somebody in Austin, for example, is designing a paper in Dayton, Ohio or something, right? And so like people in Austin, they don't know what Dayton, Ohio is. And so they, they you know, they're doing the best they can, but we, we want to, we want to design, do a redesign so that our product is actually higher quality designed. It's just so different thinking. A lot of our, our competitors view design as a cost center. We view it as a yep. quality of product issue. And so it's just kind of a unique uh, approach and why we think it's another way of, you know, showing our value of innovation, I think. I love that. And I think that that is so key. The mindset of seeing value in all parts of your business, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I, I think that this is kind of a revolution that's been ongoing for maybe five, 10 years in IT, where IT has long been seen as a cost center for most mm -hmm. companies. And mm -hmm. with the digital you know, revolution, um, all companies now have more of a tech focus or, or a tech arm. And any sort of innovation, seeing that is something that you can actually invest in and get value out of it rather than it just being a cost center is huge. I, I think that, you know, whether it's tech or owning the the printing and, and manufacturing and distribution or design, it sounds like your mindset is one of there's value throughout the organization, like value adds value production. 
um, in all yeah, parts of the I think business. that's really, I think, it's, it's, uh, I think it's a really interesting point because that is kind of th- this new economy, right? Like I think companies are stuck in looking at any of their departments as, as cost centers are really thinking like 1980. Um, yeah. you know, our printing plant, for example, we, 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 most organizations view it as a cost center. We view ours as a profit center. And I want to tell you something we're, right. we're expanding right now. And our printing plant is contributing dollars to our expansion efforts. And so it, you're just like, man, this is just beautiful. Like, and people say, well, it's not really contributing dollars because you're just insourcing. I'm like, no, no, it is contributing real dollars. Like we, we're using the same cost center that we had when we outsourced it. And then when tariffs happened, we had a paper tariff issue, like having it in-house, it was, this is a profit center. <laughs> and so owning it really mattered. And just that, what you said, that little mindset of looking at every one of your departments, you know, your, your, your custodian team, like how can they contribute as a profit center? Your, your admin team, like they're dealing with customers. Yeah. They're dealing, you know, how are they a part of the profit center mentality? Your finance team, right? Like, so that, I think that's really wise. And I think that, I think that that's going to be a huge differentiator. So people are going to write books about that, about how the companies of the future viewed all of their departments as a contributor in this new, in this new economy, as opposed to a cost center. I think that's really smart. Super inspiring. It certainly gives me hope for the future of business, right? Right. Um, I hope more people share that, share that mentality. Mm -hmm. John, this is, I want to be mindful of your time. This has been awesome. Um, is there anything you would like to leave our listeners with in terms of parting words, advice for, for fledgling businesses or scaling businesses or, or anything else? Yeah, I, I read this from a scaling standpoint. I mean, I read this great book called No Man's Land uh, by a guy named Doug Tatum. I definitely would recommend it. Uh, it would just encourage you to know that you know, you are thinking about the right things and scaling is really hard. It is difficult. And, um, and, and make sure that you're, you're using the right scorecard of what does success mean? Because the world will tell you success means valuation, you know, profit, whatever that the, all that stuff is important, but make sure you understand what is your scorecard. Your scorecard is Work-life balance for me, it's work-life balance. Am I being able to involve with my family like I want to? Will involve my church? Am I able to do that? Am I able to create jobs in journalism like that no one is doing? Am I, you know, my scorecard is different than what other people's scorecard is. So I would just encourage you, if you're in kind of scale hell, <laughs> that make sure that you're looking at the right scorecard because it can be frustrating to read online or in in paper about these companies that have high valuations, making, you know, getting all this money, just be, just be mindful of that I struggle with that, you know, regularly as a, as a leader, but I've, if that's probably the best advice I can give is, is uh, be sure you know what scorecard you're looking at. That's gold. It, it making sure that, that you're looking in the right direction, right? Cause that's, that's where you're going to be heading. Yep. That's right. Um, thank you so much, John. This has been awesome. Um, to learn more about John and Community Impact, you can find John on Twitter with the handle at John P. Garrett and his website, communityimpact.com. Check for it in your area. Um, I'll link to all of this in the show notes on our site, uh, signal.cafe. John, thank you so much again. Yeah, thank you. I really appreciate it. It was great talking to you. 
I feel like I learned a lot today. So thank you. Thank you so much, John. You've been listening to the Signal Cafe with our guest today, John Garrett. Check the show notes for more information about John and Community Impact. And if you enjoyed the episode, please leave us some love on iTunes. Thanks again for joining us today and have a great day. Adios. (laughs) 